You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. But I wanted to take these three weeks uh, to kind of lead a series that we're calling The Last Lap, right? So this is me kind of reflecting on the last 10 years as high school pastor. And really, I've been, in, I've been a high school pastor for 16 years of my life. And I consider it just such a privilege that I've been able to walk with high school students for the last 16 years. And, and what I want to talk about is what, what kind of, uh, what, what are some things that I've observed that I'm reflecting on, but really the, the point of this three-week series is this. I want to discover together or rediscover how the gospel answers the biggest questions of our lives. How does the gospel, how does the word of God answer the three biggest questions of our lives? And after the last 16 years of being a high school pastor, I'm absolutely convinced that there are three massive questions that every single student is asking. And how you answer these questions, it shapes every decision you make, It shapes the relationships that you get into. It shapes how those relationships go. It shapes your futures, and the stakes are incredibly high. And some of you may not even be aware that you are actually asking these questions, but the way you're living your life is evidence that you are seeking answers to these three massive questions. And the questions are these. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what's my purpose? These are the three massive questions that honestly, adults are continuing to answer too. But the three big questions are, who am I? Where do I belong? And what's my purpose? When I was um, in elementary school, when I was in elementary school, Claire, were you able to get the, is Claire back there somewhere? I don't, okay, cool. Um, When I was in elementary school, when I was in elementary school, uh, my favorite TV show, my favorite TV show was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. How many of you have ever heard of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I think we have a photo of it. If we can throw up. Okay, so you guys, this was my show. I loved this show. Now, now this was before like, you know, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. So this is like, this is like OG Will Smith that we're talking about here. Okay. But Will Smith in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was my hero. He always had the funniest things to say. He was so witty. The girls liked him. He was tall. He could play basketball. Basically, he had every quality I didn't have. Like, he was awesome. And I loved this show. I loved this show. And one of the things I loved about Will Smith is Will Smith always had the dopest haircuts. Like, his hair always looked really fresh. And he would get new haircuts and whatever. So, on one particular visit to my hair lady, my barber, her name was Linda, grown up, she was the one who cut my hair, Linda. Uh, she'd be so devastated to know I'm bald. But anyways, back then, Linda, um, she, she, she was amazing. And, and one time I sat in her chair and I said, Linda, I wanna do something crazy. I wanna look a little bit more like Will Smith. And she didn't have, you know, she didn't have the, she wasn't gonna break my heart and say, 
there's a whole lot of difference between you and Will Smith. Like, it ain't going to happen. You don't understand yet. But what I did is I said, I said, Will Smith always has these cool haircuts. I've got an idea, Linda. This is what I want to do with my hair. We're going to do a really fresh kind of shortcut. And on the back, I want you to shave a giant E for Eric in the back of my head. Okay? And I convinced Linda. And Linda, I mean, you know, to her credit, she was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I don't think that's going to work. I'm like, no, no, no. It works for Will. It's going to work for me. So just put a giant E in the back of my head, right? For Eric, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. You guys, I woke up that next morning. I was feeling so pumped. I had my best outfit on. I was cruising to school. I knew, I knew everyone was going to think my hair was the coolest that they had ever seen. Turns out nobody thought it was the coolest haircut that they had ever seen. In fact, when I walked on campus, when I went to campus, one of the very first kids that I saw, he saw my E in my back of my head, and he said, what's that? And I was like, it's an E, right? And he goes, is it an E for ear boy? Because, like, I guess I had short, you know, short hair, so, like, my ears stuck out. He's like, yeah, that's what it is. You're ear boy. That spread like wildfire, okay? Like, nobody was calling me Will Smith. Everybody was calling me Ear Boy. They're just screaming Ear Boy at me. What was I doing? I was attempting, I was attempting to secure my identity as someone who was cool, as someone who had it all together, as someone who had style. You see, so much of our life and the way we live is really trying to answer these questions. Who am I? I ain't Will Smith, okay? Where do I belong and what's my purpose. You see, your identity, your identity is where you draw your value, worth, and confidence. So I ask you this question right now. Where is it? Now, I want you to think about this at a real deep level. Where is it that you draw your worth, your value, and your confidence from? Is it from what that person says about you? Is it from what those friends think about you? Is it from what the comments show on your social media platforms? Is it from the GPA that comes on the portal? Is, is it from the acceptance letters from colleges or the way that you're celebrated in sports? Is it for your style? What is it that gives you your worth, your identity, and your value? I remember I was a youth pastor at, at the last church that I was at. And there was this young man who was the star of the uh, football team. He's the star quarterback of our football team in the city that I was doing ministry in. And I'll never forget how when it was football season, if he played really well on Friday night, he would show up on Sunday morning so pumped, so excited. It, it was like he was just riding high, feeling really great. But then I would notice that whenever he had a bad game on Friday night, whenever he didn't play well on Friday night, he wouldn't come on Sunday. And I asked him once, I said, hey man, like, why, why, why are you missing these Sundays? What's going on? And in a moment of vulnerability, he told me, he said, you know, when I don't play well on Friday night, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed to be around other people on Sunday morning. You see, for that young man, his value, his worth, his confidence, his identity was firmly rooted in how well he performed on the field. You see, most people, they choose to make romantic relationships or a salary or their education or their skill set, the place and, and, and those, the, the things that give them their value, worth, and confidence. But here's where we get to the heart of where we're going tonight, and it's this. 
The gospel answers the question, who am I? We have this up on the screen. The gospel answers the question, who am I? By affirming that I am created by God in his image and I am invited to become a child of God through Christ. So these these three questions that we're going to be exploring for the next three weeks, you could spend all of your energy and time spending lots of money, making lots of mistakes, gathering lots of regrets, trying to answer them, or you could lean into the God who created you, who knows you, who brought you here before anyone else knew you were coming into the world, and he has answered these questions for you so that you don't make a mess of your life, but so that you can live at peace. So that you can live connected to him. The gospel answers the question, who am I? By affirming that I am created by God in his image and I am invited to become a child of God through Christ. So with that as our basis, here's our first big idea. And you want to fill in the blanks, here we go. God has a lot to say about your identity. That first fill in the blank is your. God has a lot to say about your identity. Identity. Now we're going to read this really interesting story together in Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with you, remember we want you to bring your Bibles every single Wednesday night so you can reference what we're talking about. You can share about it in your life groups. But you can find me in Judges chapter 6. We'll also have it up on the screen. Judges chapter 6 begins like this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys." They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. At this moment in Israel's history, things are not going well for them. Joshua, their leader who led them into the promised land, he's dead They're trying to figure out who their leader is and things are not going well. And the Midianites and the surrounding nations, they are oppressing the Israelites. And as you can see from our text, it is so bad that they're literally hiding in caves. They're not even staying in their own homes. They're hiding in caves because things are so bad. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what I, or he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live but you have not listened to me. This is really significant. God says a part of the reason that you're hiding out in caves right now is because you didn't listen to me. You didn't trust me. You went and just did your own thing. And he says, guys, remember, I saved you. I rescued you. I parted the Red Sea. I've done crazy, miraculous things in front of you. And yet you've You've rejected me. You've forgotten me. 
Then the angel, verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, we gotta talk about the detail of this. This is really, really significant. Gideon is, is threshing wheat, meaning he's, he's throwing up the wheat in the air to separate the chaff in the wheat that isn't good and the actual wheat. Now, now, threshing the wheat is something you would do out in the open air so that the wind could take away the chaff and the wheat would fall to the ground. That's how this works. But the text says that Gideon is in a wine press. Wine presses are underground. There's no air. There's no wind blowing through. He is doing a task that was meant to be done out in the open. He's hidden in a wine press. It's completely ineffective. It's incredibly difficult for him to do. It's taking way longer than it should. It's because he's afraid. Then in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you mighty warrior. To which Gideon goes, <laughs> you think I'm a mighty warrior? I'm hiding out in a wine press. I'm underground, terrified, fearing for my life, and you're calling me a mighty warrior? You see, I think a lot of us are in wine presses of our lives right now. We're searching for our identity. We're searching for, for the answer to the question, who am I, in really ineffective, harmful, damaging ways. We're looking to people on social media to answer that question. We're looking to boyfriends or girlfriends to answer that question. We're looking to our GPAs to answer that question. We're looking to our families of origin to answer that question for us. But we are in the wine press doing all the wrong things in the wrong places because we don't know who we are. And Gideon had forgotten who he was. You see, Gideon, or God does not see Gideon the way Gideon or his culture sees Gideon. God sees Gideon based on who he created Gideon to be. And notice God says, you are a mighty warrior. He gives him his identity. He says, you are a mighty warrior. Who gives God, how does God have the authority to say that? Well, because he's with him. Because he created him. Because he knows Gideon better than anyone else knows Gideon. Better than Gideon even knows himself. And so when it comes to your identity, where you get your worth, value, and confidence from, a great question to ask is, who knows me best? Does that boyfriend or girlfriend know you best? Does that school know you best? Do you know you best? No, God knows you best. He is the best place, the best person to go to to answer that question. You see, according to God, according to God, everyone can say these things. So whether you're a Christian or not, everyone can say these things about who we are. Let's go to this. I am created in God's image. Every one of you, whether you are a Christian or not, you were created in God's image according to Genesis 1.27. I am marvelously made. 
This is really important because whether you recognize God or not, and you may feel like nobody cares about you, nobody values you, nobody loves you, you need to know that according to God's word, who knows you better than anyone knows you, who created you, who is infinite and perfect and holy, he says that you're marvelously made. That even when you look in the mirror and you don't feel very marvelous, God says you are marvelous. I am known completely by God, Luke, 1, Luke 12, verse 7. I am never alone, Romans 8, 38 to 39. I am perfectly loved by God, John 3, 16. But if you become a Christian, if you choose to follow Jesus, you can even say more. And these ones in bold, we'll go to the next slide. These ones in bold, these re reflect if you are a follower of Jesus. Your, your identity, your understanding of yourself expands. I am saved from my sin, Romans 10, 9. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mariah, where's Mariah? Is she here somewhere? Where's Mo? Where's Mo Rizzle? Mo Rizzle was talking about that. As she was prepping the song, she was talking about, have we forgotten that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? That is not true for people who don't believe in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence within you. I am a new creation. This means whatever your past has been, God has redeemed it, restored it, forgiven it, and you're new. I am an adopted child of God, Galatians 4, 6 to 7. I am God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2, 10. And I am a citizen of heaven. As soon as you become a Christian, your primary citizenship is not the city, state, country that you live in. It's in heaven. That you are a part of the global body of Christ. Have you ever thought about that before? That you have more in common, if you're a Christian, you have more in common with someone in Afghanistan who's a follower of Jesus than you may have with your neighbor who isn't a follower of Jesus. That you are a part of the global body of Christ that transcends borders and nations and countries and seas. And I love this one where, where Paul tells us that we are God's masterpiece. In fact, something that, I, that I've been teaching our kids to say, and I want you to repeat it after me, and if you're a Christian, this is true for you, and, and if you're not a Christian yet, this would be a great reason to consider following Jesus. Because when you become a Christian, you become his masterpiece, who he's created things, good works for you to do, but, but this is a great reminder for me, so I want you guys to repeat this with me. I am God's masterpiece, even when I don't feel like a masterpiece. I want to say this again. I am God's masterpiece. Even when I don't feel like a masterpiece. You see, this is identity language. So much of our identity right now in our culture comes from how we're feeling in a given moment. But we can become people who lean into the fact that God has a lot to say about our identity, that it cannot be taken from us. That we are God's masterpiece whether we feel it or not. I love what the Reverend Dr. Derwin L. Gray says in this quote, Building a Multi-Ethnic Church. He says, God no longer resides in temples made of brick, but in multi-ethnic people who are temples made through the blood of Jesus. And God's glory is seen in high definition because each Jew and Gentile, African, Greek, barbarian, Roman, Asian, is a different colored brick, a beautiful mosaic. 
You see, part of our identity is that we are a community, that we are the family of God, a very diverse family of God. Number two, second big idea is this. Jesus wants to give you an irrevocable identity. Jesus wants to give you a very... Uh, give you an irrevocable identity. John chapter one, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, students, your primary identity is not your relationship status. It's not who you are sexually attracted to. It's not your last name. It's not your skills. It's not even your family of origin. That your primary identity, that everybody's primary identity is image bearer of God. But for those that are Christians, our primary identity is image bearer of God and child of God. That you've been invited to be one of his kids. And that comes with benefits and it comes with responsibilities. The benefits are we get to live with God for all of eternity and be a part of his diverse family. But the responsibilities are that we start to live according to his word and not just the words of our culture or the words that are around us. You see, this has massive implications. Because God created us, because we messed up and we're confused about who we are oftentimes, because God knows what's best for us. We can have peace and security that no one can take away. You see, every Christian's primary identity is child of God. All other identity labels or significant parts of us are not lost, but secondary to and in submission to the identity Jesus has given us through his death and resurrection. This is massive. This is really significant. we got to unpack this for just a minute. Every Christian's primary identity is child of God. All other identity labels, all other identity labels or parts of ourself, we don't lose those. So whatever your ethnic background is, whatever community you grew up in, the things that make you you, you don't lose those, but this is important. They are secondary to, they're secondary to your identity as a child of God. That becomes your primary identity and they are in submission to Jesus Christ. And so you may have, you may want to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. You need to ask yourself this desire, this, this, this part of me, boyfriend or girlfriend, is it in submission to Christ? Is it honoring to Christ? That every other part of you submits itself to your primary identity as child of God. Number three, last big idea. The suffering and glory of your new identity. Romans chapter eight, verses 14 to 17 say, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself with our spirit 
testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Now, having an identity rooted in God is going to bring some suffering, but it's also going to bring some glory. I wonder if you'll resonate with some of these. Here, here are some of the sufferings that come with embracing your child of God identity. That if you choose to embrace that you are a child of God, this is the invitation to be one of God's kids. I don't want to do a bait and switch. I want you to know that there's, there's a level of suffering that comes with that. You will be judged for resisting certain urges. There may be a desire that you have in your heart to engage in a relationship with somebody that according to God's word, he does not want you to engage with. And if you're a child of God, you resist those urges because you've submitted everything to Christ. You will be called negative names at times. You will lose some friends. You will be misunderstood and mischaracterized. And you will miss out on, I should have put this in quotes, but you will miss out on culture's best life. That there will be people who say, you are missing out. But here's the glory. Here's the glory that comes with embracing your child of God identity. Number one, you will have peace with God. You have peace with God and in time with yourself. You will live with less fear and more confidence you will save yourself the pain of identity switching, constantly trying to change who you are to please the people around you. You will live with far less regrets and you will experience eternity with Jesus. I remember um, one time uh, a friend called me and said, hey, I need to come over to the house and I, I just need to talk with you about some stuff. And so this friend came over and we went to the park and sat down and, and he looked at me and he said, I've never told anyone else this, but I'm gay. I, I'm attracted to the same sex. And he had tears in his eyes because he's a Christian. He loves Jesus. And these feelings that he had been having for his whole life, he hadn't shared that with anyone. And after he opened up and shared his story with me, which I was just so humbled and grateful that he would trust me with that. I'll never forget these words that he said. He said, I've always had these desires, but I love Jesus more. And I know he perfectly loves me and his plans are better. And so he's made the decision to not act on those urges. To choose to remain celibate. And he's prayed at times that God would take away those or change those for him. But it hasn't happened. But here's an incredibly inspiring young man who recognizes that his identity in Christ as a child of God is the most important and primary identity in his life. And he knows Jesus is worth it. And so I don't know what identity you're tempted 
to switch with your child of God identity. I don't know what identity you're tempted to lean into to give yourself over to, but I think this is one picture of someone who has chosen the suffering and the glory of their identity in Christ in a really inspiring way. To close, maybe our identity crisis is coming from a misplaced trust in a faulty, fleeting, and fragile identity instead of placing our identity in our forever status, child of God. And so as we recap tonight, and each night we'll do this, as we recap tonight, the question we wrestled with is, who am I? The answer, according to the gospel, according to God's word, is you can be a child of God, that you're made in his image, and that if you're following Jesus, and you can do that in your groups tonight, you can talk more about that and surrender your life to Christ and choose that, that you become his child, and that's what he desires for you. That's the identity he desires you to most primarily connect to and fully own. So let me pray for us. And then after we pray, if uh, I think Pastor Claire is going to come up to give us some instructions. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for each one of these students and the opportunity that we have to open your word and to make a decision to really wrestle with these questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what's my purpose? And I thank you that as we wrestled, as we continue to wrestle with who am I, that God, you make it clear we are people made in your image and that we can be your children if we'll receive you. God, I pray that each one of us would choose that to receive you and then choose to make our identity in Christ as one of your children the most primary identity we live from. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.